Hi, and welcome to the Loving Parent Podcast. My name's Brita, and I'm your host. If you're new to this podcast, a hearty welcome. And if you've listened before, welcome back. We've had some technical issues in the last few days, and so we won't be able to bring you the next two episodes as we'd intended. So I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite topics, secret families and problem families. And we all know what a family is. It's a group of people who live together, sometimes with extended family nearby or scattered across the country. Traditionally, this was a mom and a dad and some kids, maybe grandma in the neighborhood, maybe aunts, uncles, and cousins scattered around. But nowadays, families take a more non-traditional form. It could be a single parent with kids, or it could be a female-headed household, including maybe a grandma and an aunt, a mom and some kids, or a grandpa, a dad, an uncle, and some kids. Kids can have two dads and two moms. So families are in all shapes and sizes, and it's important to know that all of them are valid. Right now, it's kind of in vogue to discuss families as healthy or unhealthy, functional or dysfunctional, and you may hear me use some of those terms too. But I think they can be dangerous. They can make us think of families in kind of a fixed position. And I like to see families more on a continuum or a line. One end of that line, as I see it, are secret families. These are families who keep secrets, who are isolated and don't get help when they need it. On the other end of the line are problem families. These are families who have problems instead of secrets. They aren't isolated. They can reach out and get help. Secret families tend to promote negative self-esteem and problem families tend to promote positive self-esteem. So what are the secrets that secret families keep? A lot of these secrets have to do with addictions or abuse. It could be that a family member is an alcoholic or an addict, or a compulsive gambler, a sex addict, a sexual abuser. There are very seldom single secrets in a family. There are almost always more than one. Various members of the family may have secrets. Certainly the adults do. And as they get older, most of the children will too. Something will happen to them and their parents will say, don't tell anybody about this. This is a secret. And if children want to talk about any family secrets they know, the parents may say, this is our family business. We don't talk about this outside the house. Don't talk about it to anybody. Generally, the adults each have one or more secrets, and there's a pact, spoken or unspoken, between them that I will keep your secret if you will keep my secret. In other words, if I'm an alcoholic and you're an overeater, 
I won't talk about your overeating, and you don't talk about my drinking. Neither one of us can get any help that way, but we keep the secrets. So what underlies these secrets? I think it's almost always shame and fear. Shame for the things that we're doing and fear that we're going to be found out. And sometimes this shame and fear isn't even ours. It belongs to people generations back. Things that we absorbed when we were children and we may be passing on to our own kids now. Things that our parents absorbed when they were children. The neurologists now call this intergenerational stress. And it's based on a release of stress hormones when people are upset or in very stressful situations. Those hormones get released and over time, if it happens often enough, it forms a pathway in our brains so that every time we get triggered, we release those stress hormones and have a very intense reaction. Sometimes reactions that aren't even connected to what's going on right now. So it's important that if we're going to move from secret family to problem family, we have to talk about the secrets. Usually one person decides to talk to get help. The other family members usually are not happy about this. They don't want to participate and they'll probably try very hard to get the person who is looking for help to come back into the family circle and participate in the secrets again. For that reason, some people have found that they need to distance themselves from their families of origin in order to get the help they need. In problem families, people can talk about what's going on. Problems can be solved. Secrets can't. So to turn something into a problem, all you have to do is talk. Talk to a professional, talk to a friend, talk to a distant family member, usually not one right in the middle of it. And hopefully you'll get validation. If you don't, keep going. Talk to different people. It's really important to do that if you're going to turn your secret into a problem. Now, why are secrets so damaging in these secret families? They take a lot of energy. Families, people in families have needs. They have physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual needs. These needs cannot be met consistently if all the energy in the family is going to protect the secrets. It takes energy to house, feed, and clothe children. If the energy is going toward the secrets, the kids may not get their needs met in, in a physical way. This is neglect, and it's not uncommon in secret families. Children have emotional needs that they need to get met. They have a basic need for attention. And as some of us have found out, if kids don't get positive attention, they'll go for negative, which only adds to the chaos and stress in a, in a secret family. 
Kids also have mental needs. I've known families where the only mental stimulation small children got was the television. They didn't get read to. They didn't get sung to. They didn't get to go on walks. A friend of mine recently sent her nephew on a scavenger hunt walk with his dad to bring her back a feather and a leaf and a rock, all kinds of things from the neighborhood. That's mentally stimulating. That's the kind of things that kids need for their mental needs to be met. Social needs, it's really hard to meet social needs in a secret family. By its very nature, in order to keep the secrets, we have to be isolated. We can't risk having too much social contact or somebody will either notice or hear about our secrets. Therefore, children may get some social needs met in school, but even there, they're usually not encouraged to make friends and certainly aren't ever allowed to bring friends home. We don't want any strangers in the house who might see the secrets and talk. So the adults and the children in secret families are usually quite isolated. As far as spiritual needs go, it's not uncommon for a secret family to participate in a church, a synagogue, or meeting. They may go frequently and participate in the rituals and the prayers. But most of the time, none of them have a personal relationship with a beneficent higher power greater than themselves. And sometimes religion can get used as a form of abuse. It can be used to terrify children, to torment them, and to pass on more fear and shame to them. So how do we move from being a secret family to a problem family? The answer is support. This support can be professional support or it can be peer support. It can be organized as in a group or it can be individual, you and a friend. Talking is the solution to secrets and it's also the solution to shame and fear. One of the tricks that I used to use was to identify if the shame and the fear belonged in the here and now. And if not, if it's an overreaction, then to talk to it and to say, you are not my shame and fear. I have nothing to do with you. I don't know why you're here. I don't want you and I don't accept you. Go away. Now this doesn't work overnight. It takes practice and it takes time. That's all there is to it. But it's one of the things that can work. Another thing that I've used is imagining the person whose shame and fear this is. And usually I can identify whose it is. My mother's, my dad's, a grandma. Imagine them sitting on my shoulder and just kind of flick them off with my thumb and finger and say, go away. 
I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to hear what you have to say right now. Same thing if you're doing, um, you know, self-talk, beating yourself up. And you realize that these words aren't yours. These are words that you heard over and over as a child from a parent or a grandparent, a neighbor or a teacher. If you can identify whose words they are, imagine that person sitting on your shoulder and flick them off. Tell them, I don't want to hear that. And then restate what they said in more positive terms. I remember one day I was sewing and I've sewn for a long time, but now I have some vision problems. And so sometimes I make some horrendous mistakes. And at this particular time I did, and there was absolutely no way to salvage what I was working on. So I threw it in the trash. And the whole time I was even saying out loud, how stupid can you be? This is absolutely ridiculous. What a waste of time and fabric. And I realized it was mother's voice. So I flicked her off and said, be quiet, mother. I don't want to hear that right now. And I thought I need to reframe my thoughts and to say, okay, you made a mistake, Brita. Everybody makes mistakes. You are allowed at least 20 mistakes a day, which is what somebody had told me. And if you use them all up, you can have 20 more. I'm not stupid. I'm very smart. And I've made a mistake. There's no way to fix this mistake. And so I have the consequences for it. It was a waste of money, but it wasn't done intentionally. When I have the time and the money, I will try this again and I will make it right. Those are the kinds of things that I have found really helpful. And it requires feeling silly because I felt really silly the first time I did it, the first few times I did it. But it helps to get rid of the shame and the fear that are not mine. My mother grew up in a divorced home, which was very uncommon in the 30s. And she bore the shame and the fear for the family. She didn't even live with her parents part of the time. And she lived in small towns in the Midwest where the other children in town were not allowed to play with her because she was a child of divorce. So all of that shame and fear that she absorbed as a child, she passed on to us. She didn't know that's what she was doing, but she would always say things like, what will people think? What will the neighbors think? You have to behave in a way that people will know that we're a good family. And we did, we behaved that way. And nobody had any idea what was going on in our home. So getting support, moving along the, the continuum to become a problem family. I like peer support a lot. I like meetings and groups and workshops as long as they're positive and supportive. I don't want to be blamed for the secrets that I have and that my family has. I want to be understood and validated. I want to be encouraged to move forward, to try new things, to break patterns. So 
if I'm with a therapist like this one that I went to who said, you know, I think maybe it's all these recovering people you're hanging out with who are bringing you down. And I think you'd better get a better class of friends. And he gave me a book to read something about how to make yourself feel good. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is not what I need. And thank goodness I was able to see that and I didn't stay with that therapist because he would have pulled me right back into the family secrets. I've been very fortunate to find some wonderful therapists and I really encourage people to shop. Find a therapist who has worked on his or her own issues. It hasn't always been a requirement that therapists have some kind of therapy while they're in school. Now in most schools, it is a requirement. I always look for a therapist who's comfortable working with people in 12-step programs and a therapist who has some understanding of the family systems. And now I would look for one who has understanding of the new neurology um, findings, the neuroscience about brain development, stress, neuron pathways, and how to maybe not obliterate some, but at least make new pathways that get better worn than the old ones. I hope you've enjoyed this talk about secret families and problem families. There'll be another similar talk in the next episode, and then we'll get back to our regular interview episodes. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening. If you like what you heard, please follow, tap notifications, leave a positive review, and tell a friend. Until next time, remember, you can take your time. You deserve all the love you need, and my love goes with you.